Welcome to your favorite comic YouTube channel, Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rugg. We put out daily videos to our enthusiastic audience, and we have more than a thousand videos up there as we speak. So uh, if you want us to cover something that you're interested in, give that uh, give the channel a search and see if we talked about it already. If not, put something in the comments, and we will be sure to uh, to get to your suggestions. We have a Patreon for the King Kayfabers out there who want to completely mitigate the kayfabe effect, which is to say, when we talk about a comic very often, they disappear off the aftermarket. Uh, if you could get in early, that's a good thing, and uh, we give exclusive access and uh, first access to our videos to the people on our King Kayfaber level of our Patreon. Jimmy and I are also going to be at Baltimore Comic Con. Jimmy, what's the date on that? September? 8, 9, and 10. That'll be uh, probably the last chance you get to see us in person in 2023. Without further ado, we're going to put I Am Stan, a graphic biography of the legendary Stan Lee by Kayfabe Lieutenant Tom Scioli, another uh, friend of the show who has uh, guest hosted dozens of, of episodes and uh, is the creator of uh, the, the Jack Kirby biocomic, American Barbarian, Transformers G.I. Joe, Godland, Godland, all sorts of stuff. Fantastic Four Grand Design. That's it. He called it. He called it Marvel's answer to Watchmen. <laughs> <laughs> I am Stan. So he did the Jack Kirby book, very voluminous in its text and very, very rigorous in its detail. Uh, Tom, Tom is a uh, Kirby aficionado, man. Uh, he's been studying the man for a long, long time, and there was a period where uh, Tom's style was steeped in Kirby. Uh, logical choice, man, to uh, off the heels of the success of that Kirby book. Do a Stan Lee bio comic. This is a horror comic. <laughs> this is uh, this is building off of what Dan Klaus did with Wilson in a lot of ways in terms of the writing and construction. But from page one, before you even get to indicia credits or anything like this, this was a famous video that was floating around on the net in in the teens where. You know, there are these these invisible hanger-on guys who are kind of propping up Stan Lee, literally telling him how to spell his own name. And Stan did not look good in those videos at all. And then when you have these these goofballs to the side saying, Stan Lee, S-T-A-N, telling him how to do it, uh, you couldn't help but uh, feel for the guy. So we're opening up with that image, and that is to suggest that uh this ain't your disney documentary people you know like tom tom's going deep and there is a lot of back matter in this book to support the things that tom explores in the comic yeah it's such a good package overall like this is my second reading of it mm -hmm. and uh enjoy as enjoyable the second time as the first read so much information in here and it's like when we were talking about the disney doc on Stan Lee. Yes. Um, you know, go see that if you haven't watched it already to kind of get a little bit of a different version of Stan Lee. You know so many Stan Lee stories. Yeah. And it's like, I could never write that and those end notes because I just feel like you hear this stuff all over the place. You read bits and pieces of his biography and interviews. Um, unlike most of these golden and silver age artists, he has a ton of material out there yeah. and available. And Tom's done a really good job, I think, of, I don't feel like this is some kind of like anti-Stan Lee book at all. But it really is a warts and all biography. Like you're gonna see stuff that's that's sad, and in some cases maybe infuriating. Yeah. But uh, it, it's quite a picture of a character. He builds he builds a very holistic character, unlike the characters that Stanley would write. Uh, <laughs> like he nobody is any one thing, man. Nobody's walking around kicking puppies all day. Uh, so the guy does good. The guy does bad. The guy does questionable stuff. Uh, the guy has trauma inflicted upon him that probably nobody deserves. He's a cautionary tale. There's ego and hubris built into such a character. And Tom explores it all. And one of the ways that he does that is uh, making every single page a single unit, a single strip. Uh, he was already into this company, 10 Speed Press, with the Kirby book and everything. But uh, upon reading this, I was thinking, I'm sure it's going to do fine for him, but if he wasn't connected with this publisher who still, it's 2023, they still have fucking traditional mindsets, these publishers, it's, 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 it's mind numbing, but 
if he would have um, serialized this online one page at a time, I think he would have grew a fucking super giant audience for it before the book even came out. Because these are all single units, single strips. The publisher would not allow that. Like he was doing that with Kirby. And then when he hooked up with a publisher, publishers like, yeah, don't do that. How ironic is that? It's, it's like dumb. this, me serializing this is how you found out about it. Right. And now you want to take it away. Yeah. Why not keep it going so that everybody finds out about it? Yeah. Yeah. My, my lesson is like, really like just do the serialization, uh, tighten up the bootstraps and stuff and, and have conviction and, and, and belief in yourself so that you can sell the thing and, and, and have a giant audience built in, but single unit, single page strips. And this book, 190 some pages of content uh, is so lean. Tom chooses the exact right moments. He edits. It's an exercise in editing that I've never seen Tom explore where he sometimes it's what's not said. And it rather than the space between the gutters, it's this time mm -hmm. difference between the pages that communicates everything. It's subtle, but it's there. And uh, as you read it, like you pick up on all, all this kind of stuff. It's extremely readable too. Yes. And I don't know if that's a byproduct of his editing, but part of the joy of reading this is just how readable it is. And as we keep going through the pages, that's something to note at home because it is a little bit of an unusual format. It's that widescreen format for the most part. And I say it on probably the one spread where there's some exceptions to that. Right. But otherwise, you really are almost speed reading down the middle of the page the way this is laid out. And it's such an inverse of what you think of as like widescreen comics that were so popular in the early 2000s. This is all that widescreen sort of ratio, yeah. but totally employed in a new way. I linger on this mm -hmm. because it is uh, sort of, it's adjacent to what I was talking about when we did our Stan Lee documentary review, where I mentioned the sequence in the beginning of the documentary where they just show a montage of Stan Lee photos over time, juxtaposed with him talking his, his, his uh, kayfabe talk. And Tom did it, you know, this is page three. It's not like Tom worked backwards uh, when he made this comic, he drew this page two years ago, three years ago, and went Warholian with it, which I think was a pretty smart choice because Tom Tom has been playing with color for years. And the other thing is that uh, we always had that conversation about the black line, right? And and it looks like he arrived at a place where he he softened that black line up, very pleasant uh, aesthetics, and it's something that he's been woodshedding for years, man, T testing different things out since American Barbarian, probably. Yeah, and you really see it here because it's one we're not going to get an extreme black. The right. other thing we're not getting is that white. Right. So you know, like your your range, your contrast is just a little bit lower, and I think it creates a very warm package there'll be often really really good transitions too where uh you know you have the oldest stanley here and then you have the youngest one on on the flip page uh these are all the anecdotes that stan has given us over the years about his dad working in garment district and things man i never made this connection before but i see little bits of mazza kelly in i this do art. yeah yeah totally absolutely man uh something i never knew about stan or or, or heard suggested was uh Intense mama's boy, you know, like definitely mama's favorite and uh, Larry Lieber got got the second billing <laughs> Man, it would suck to be Larry because you're you're in comics, but talk about being second, right? You know, it's not just at home with mom. Yeah, the way he builds the characters too, like with like the little curly cue and things man always identifiable I think that Tom described this as a as like his his manga he like he like that was sort of what was in his mind not necessarily the aesthetics with the big shoujo eyes or anything like that but in terms of uh readability factor and and and, and cleanliness of composition yeah 100 percent. and you can see you know this young stan lee going through just a very active socialite type guy you know personality wise it feels like he had that personality from the get-go right and he builds it into uh very early on the the hubris that that we were talking and in a stage presence man which which is makes a lot of sense for like what's what stan lee becomes because the salesmanship totally. of of marvel was was a big deal the the idea of literally the kayfabe of the bullpen and and things like that that's that's stan lee and and you know obviously uh if you're a 
comics aficionado, you know that he also took that from uh, the the EC. Yes. Uh, yeah, the Phantom and EC. But you know, one of the things I think of whenever I read this book the first time, and I think I said it when we talked to Tom, is it's very literary, yeah. this book. And having those early scenes of Stan Lee on the stage, it's not just good for what we're going to see him become, but in terms of the book itself, like it's laying the groundwork for this character's arc. He does that plenty, which, mm -hmm. which uh, we will not do it justice in this exact video, but there are parts where he's talking, he's basically nagging John Buscema's Silver Surfer comic that, that he turned in, and then 50 pages later, it's a different Stan Lee talking about how great it is to right. John Buscema, and, and Buscema's like, really? You hated it? And Stan Lee just completely divorcing himself from that, even the possibility Look of that notion. Some of the color use, too. You know, going from this this pink background in one blue suit into the next scene of the blue, that suit has done the job, dress for the part you want, right? And right. he is, sitting at the desk working. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot of good choices consistently. Consistently, One of the things that I love is whenever you're able to create depth, and I feel like looking through that window with the lettering on the window, put something in the foreground. This is totally, could be divorced from this book, but just in terms of drawing, I find this kind of stuff exciting to have something in the extreme foreground just to create depth in your panel. That's a really good example of it. I think this, this book might be 100% digital. I think that's true. Uh, with Procreate quite sure he did he did it on his ipad yeah and it's impressive because the lettering the color all of it fits really well like i don't look at this and think the stereotype of digital no it has a total human hand component to it he's very good about not just doing talking heads too like we'll see these typing pages which are great in in the kirby book you would see like a lot of the comic pages and we'll get a few of those in here but you're also seeing sort of the writer you know, plying his trade, yeah, and somehow that's compelling. You know, even a close-up of like the type typewriter. That's one of the really fun things. You have to read the Kirby book and the Stan Lee book because there is that overlap, right? And it's it's Batman, Superman. You know, in terms of like uh, you know, Dark Knight Returns, like what Frank Miller says, like you know, if it was a Superman book, like Superman would win. So uh, this is the Stan Lee point of view of an order of events. So when you read the Kirby book and you read Stan Lee. It's, it's Rashomon. Yeah. Again, going back to that literary stuff, but I find this just beautiful, these pages of typed script. And they fit so well on the page, you know, like for a panel, it fits perfectly. No, nothing feels uh, crammed. Right. Which is part of the reading experience, what makes it such an easy read. The, the cool thing about, um, the easy thing about uh, working sort of on the, uh, the the iPad is you'll be able to bring in those pages and kind of like trace them off in a way, like in the perfect kind of proportion and stuff. When, when back in the day, you'd have to, I don't know, Xerox and, and shrink or project the, uh, the image. Uh, but Tom was able to incorporate that stuff really, really pleasingly. This episode is brought to you by the Cartoonist Kayfabe Patreon. We put out videos every single day and have more than a thousand of them. So make sure that you search through our channel and see if we talked about the, the comics and the magazines that you like. But the Cartoonist Kayfabe Patreon is there for our biggest supporters and it mitigates the Kayfabe effect, which gives uh, the major supporters uh, early access to our videos so that they can make uh, smart buying decisions before uh, the videos hit Gen Pop. Ultimately, the vids are brought to you by the books that we make, and the Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus is coming to you this holiday season. 504 pages of material with 150 pages that haven't been in the print published in those first uh, four volumes of Hip Hop Family Tree. There's going to be the X-Men Grand Design Trilogy trade paperback coming to you from Marvel that's going to include uh, my the out-of-print treasury editions of X-Men Grand Design uh, that are... That uh, are out there. Uh, Red Room Crypto Killers is my latest comic that is coming out. The fourth issue is coming out within a couple of weeks as of this recording. Uh, the third issue is important for you to have because I'm serializing a daily strip and the first appearance of those characters is this backup feature in uh, issue three. Jimmy has Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive out in the wild right now. It's received a reprint, uh, but that doesn't mean that there's infinite copies, so make sure you get your hands on that ASAP. Another book that is out of print, but Jimmy had promises to put it back in print, is True Crime Funnies. Uh, three stories in this sucker, man, ranging from color to black and white. Plain Janes is a comic that he drew that is considered to be the first young adult graphic novel. 
Hulk Grand Design is out there right now. It is sold out uh, at the distribution level, which means if your store doesn't have it, they might not be able to get it. So you might have to go to, to, to Amazon if you want a copy. And why would you not want a copy of this thing? And forthcoming is Street Angel Princess of Poverty, which is the companion piece to Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive. Uh, it should be out in time for the holidays. Like, let's cover up that May 2023. Not Jim's fault, Image's fault. Uh, now that we are done paying the bills, let's get back to the video. Using the same lines and stuff, rather than, like, you know, the ultimate hack thing to do would be to, like, photostat the actual image and have the, the line quality so different yes. than the rest of the line of the work. So knowing Tom adds so much to the experience here, because I see him addressing a lot of the pet peeves that we've talked about over the years, including things like that. Like, we've we've seen that image before, but a hack would do it differently. Also knowing Tom, the stuff that Tom likes, like uh, like Howard Stern and so and like having that conveniently built in here makes a lot of sense. I'm also a sucker for this stuff as a uh, just fan of comics history. Is like any bullpen, any kind of like cartoonists, you know, all working together in a room. I love all that stuff. And this is one of those classic. Uh, stories dude so like it's all in here this is kind of like a veiled history of mainstream comic books yes in a lot of ways because i mean stanley was there for a lot of it so this is jack kirby and joe simon talking about moonlighting over at national which is dc comics stanley overhearing that shit and then two seconds later conveniently mm -hmm. uh stan and uh, uh excuse me uh simon and kirby are are now ousted love that young kirby look um, you know, you mentioned comics history here. It reminds me of Eisner's The Dreamer, where you can yeah. see some of that early comics history. And also Strange Death of Alex Raymond. And my favorite elements are the parts that are the comics history parts. Right. And you do get that in here, and it's it's really well done. Yeah, man. You never thought you would see uh, Chad Grothkopf in a, in a, in a comic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's Tom doing deep, deep diving, man. It's really interesting, too, because there was a Marvel bullpen. Yeah. It's not the one that we all read about in Stan's soapbox or in the 60s and 70s Marvels, but it's almost this reference to, like, the Golden Age. Vince Fago. The strips with Vince Fago. So each of these is a unit, and uh, sometimes the juxtaposition, it'll be an ironic thing where, you know, Martin Goodman is talking about how things are on the up and up, and then the next page... It's Stan Lee being forced to like fire people. Me version. This is World War II, and guys are enlisting, including Stan Lee, but uh, he gets to stay home, yeah. basically. And he, uh, Tom, will will he will allow for quiet moments that just kind of breathe and set you up for you know this next chapter in this fella's life. <laughs> yeah, his cartooning is just. It does feel like he levels up, Tom with this book I, I i this is a masterpiece comic yeah and i do not use that word lightly whatsoever <laughs> vd not me <laughs> one of the famous army stories is, is his uh vd poster i believe <laughs> this is kind of a wild bit too and this is a flip side of the simon kirby moonlighting as stan lee is moonlighting when he's at the army breaks into his mailbox to get his uh whatever notes H or whatever his he assignment needs. yes and uh, ends up ends up in trouble with the mps and they seem pretty fair, man. Like, dude, we hooked you up with a puss job. Like, do you want to go fight? Just uh, be be easy. Yeah, Vince Fago. It, it's cool to see him. Like, I was looking at Funny Animal Comics. That's the guy that I get pointed at. Sure. For for people that may not be familiar with his name. Yeah, totally. And and pretty much exclusively at Timely. Uh, or maybe it was called Atlas. <laughs> Whenever the war came, man, they re those 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 kids that were uh, that didn't make it to the army, they really had a weird way with uh, Submariner's headpiece. It's just it is pure triangle. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and you know what? I've I've seen it even further than this. I, I and that is no exaggeration. That's amazing. By the way, we cover this book that Stan Lee writes about how to write comics and some tall tales in that book. But uh, that's a that's a pretty rare book. Like we had a friend bring a copy over so we could cover it on here. So if you're curious about the book that Stan Lee is writing here on how to make comics, 
there is a video on cartoonist kayfabe that, that goes page by page through that book yeah for sure man and it, it is uh in wrestling parlance what would be called an after mag where uh the after mags were the magazines that that uh pretended that wrestling was real and had all the articles were were t were talking about how uh rick flair was furious at harley race and they were going to take care of it in the ring uh this secrets behind the comics it's stan lee talking about how martin goodman came up with the idea of captain america which is a pure fable yeah, outrageous. I did not realize Stan Lee self-published that book. Right, yeah, yeah. That's he was, pretty interesting. Comics were doing so poor, and he felt so sort of insecure with his position that he wanted to kind of get some footing. Another famous mm -hmm. Stan Lee story talk, talking about, uh, you know, when he'd go to dinner parties, uh, trying to explain what his job was. Uh, this was the shocking stuff. Whenever Tom was... Uh, getting his notes together and setting this book up before maybe he even drew one page and it it might have even been a consequence of things he discovered while putting the kirby book together uh the this uh author authoritarian stan lee that would just be a piece of shit to everybody in staff you know it's not far from uh from uh Mr. Infinity or Dr. Infinity or whatever. Bow to your king, smacking them with Cato Cato Nine Tails, having like CCTVs in the 40s or 50s at the office and and watching his people on monitors. What did that cost in the 50s? Dr just so draconian too. Yeah. Yeah, very unbelievable. Him meeting his wife, which uh Again, these stories are, you know, many of these stories are familiar. Right. You know, I think he's always, the story of he and Joan has always been, like, clearly this love story. You know, love of his life kind of story. So there's your Cat of Nine Tales sequence. That's a hard page to read. It is. And uh, you can see an example of this coming into other works where uh, there was a Christmas card that Al Jaffe drew. And it had Stan with a, the cat of nine tails as like Santa Claus and it had the bullpen guys as the reindeer. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to believe that somebody doesn't cave his skull in over this, you know, and, and I get what the ramifications of that are, but that happened in comics, you know, like the crime does not pay editor beat some woman to death with an iron. <laughs> this is not the most uh, stable collection of people in comics. Right. It's, it's not, I, it wouldn't have shocked me if somebody went violent in response to something like this. These guys were so downtrodden. Uh, I don't know when sweatshop laws changed, but it has the vibe of that kind of thing. And these are post-Depression era guys with all that scar tissue. They are literally taking their licks, man. It's true. But what a disturbing piece of his history. Yeah, I'd fuck that dude up. I would, I would, I would destroy his life and... Uh, he would never be able to have a car that would maintain air in its tires or anything. Yeah, here's it's... your cameras now being set up, which is bizarre. And it makes me wonder if there's a piece missing. <laughs> you know, did, did some incident happen? Yeah. Did those guys respond in some way that stands like, you know what, I'm going to do that again? <laughs> yeah, I, I asked Tom about that. And the cool thing is there is back matter mm -hmm. in here to describe where he gleaned the information for, for every page. Here's an early effort where a guy is, is, is wants his pages back, and uh, Stanley goes, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, here are your pages. Puts a big fucking X through them. This is amazing, too. I've been going through a bunch of 1986 comics journals and Amazing Heroes, and the big story is Kirby's original artwork. And there's so much around original art, like, it should have been taxed if the companies keep it. And meanwhile, Stanley's just going to destroy pages and give them back? Like, that's not something... That's a black mark on your record, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> we, 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 we're telling the passage of time with Stan Lee's hairline, which is smart, right? Like, you, you don't need a clock to do it. This is another one of those details of, like, we saw the Andy Warhol, let's show, you know, 30 years of his life in the visual changes. Now we're going to read the book and watch them unfold page by page over 190 pages. Another uh, passage of time thing, you could gauge the success of the of the comic company by where the office space is held. So uh, throughout this book, you've seen different versions of, of the building, and it would, it would range from, like, a little walk-up kind of uh, situation to now... 
you know, we're we're in a kind of a sky we're in a skyscraper. Another great page. Feels almost like um Sunday comics or something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean these are strips. You know, these are these are totally strip each one is its own unit. Which man, I would have loved to have had that serialized, and just I just know Tom could have built such a gigantic audience. Great page. In the Abrams book that about Marvel that came out for like the fiftieth anniversary or whatever, you know, this photo covers in there and lets you know that you know that is Stan Lee, who is uh, the 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 guy in the <laughs> costume. So build that into the lore. Yeah, good stuff. There are those pages where, like, it's there. There are the the kind of publish the legend kind of pages because you only have Stanley's word on on these matters. And this is um, losing a second child. Yes, which again is part of that warts and all approach. Like you really do get to see Stan from a lot of different angles. That feels like one of those things. Like you wouldn't wish that on anybody. Yeah, no, of course not. Uh, the pen, the, the, that just that term pencils down. I, I wonder if if Tom was even working on this during the the COVID stage when that like was a famous term. But look at the iconography of this. Mm -hmm. uh, it's you know Stanley is forced to 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 send these people to lay these people off, and uh, it's an interesting creative choice to just push them into silhouette. This would be this would be one of those pages where. It would be good to have Tom give the director commentary. Like, what, what's what's the choice for that? I can make things up, but it would be interesting to hear the guy. Yeah. Irving Forbush, man. Forbush, man. We will be seeing in Not Brand Eck. Yeah, it's cool to see the ebb and flow of the comics industry, too. Throughout right. this comic. As things expand and then guys get laid off. The imitations. This is something that we were reading in that Gil Kane interview from the 70s where he's like these companies can just copy stuff right and that's what you're seeing here totally uh joe manili's the guy who's who's showing up and and, and stan is taking a big shine to him uh, it's often been said that you know joe, joe manili met a tragic ending which we will see in the pages of of this book uh it's often said that uh that that was stan's original jack kirby if manili would not have met a tragic demise like maybe there wouldn't have been that space for Kirby because Manili is fucking dope. He pulls straight from Hal Foster energy and could turn it out fast. Like one of those unicorn creators, man, that fucking is very good and quick enough to make, meet those, those uh, monthly deadlines. But that feels shady, doesn't it? How do you fall off a train? Yeah, I don't know the answer to that, but what a way to go. Yeah. Terrible. Or good. Maybe. <laughs> Depending on where the head is situated. Yeah, I suppose there, there may be worse ways to go. And here goes Kirby showing up again. Okay, so Tom is kind of, almost kind of building it into the comic that way. We're like out with Manili, in with Kirby. It's pretty wild to think of Kirby going back, Stanley being there, and then the history of like, man, this is the guy who cost you that job. And it now you're back... At his mercy. I mean, that's almost uh, pro wrestling, right? Like whenever these these wrestlers go from one company to the next, they have nothing good to say. But uh, Vince McMahon is always there to bring you back. And I wonder, you know, what what kind of crow you have to eat? Do you have to put a black leotard on with with a bunch of yellow dots in order to uh, it, it's, do it's the a, job? It's a good point. And I didn't say it whenever we were watching the documentary. But I do think Hulk Hogan's in a, 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 the, the wrestling analogy to Stan Lee. Yeah. You know, double, double check whatever story he's putting out there. So you, what I'm saying. <laughs> so you're saying that Stan Lee didn't, didn't write comics 384 <laughs> days a year because of the uh, international dateline right. on his travels? That's right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like, we all knew this, but it's cool to see the, 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 the tandem of, like, the Atomic Age analogs to the various uh, monsters that uh it's such Jack a great created. line whatever's popular that's what martin wants flying saucers drive-in movie stuff great line this thing reads so good in terms of the dialogue it makes me wonder because like tom leveled up at that stage also and it's like i wonder if he tested that writing out read it out loud a lot if he, something i feel like something changed that's the thing this is such a lean book for what he is choosing to put in here and how he cuts things off, even sometimes from panel to panel. 
Uh, it there is just there is no fat to this whatsoever. He plays the hits. Everything you want to see covered is in here, and there is plenty that is covered in here that that you just don't know if you ain't reading fucking alter ego magazines in the '60s and shit. Also, that hairline is getting pushed back further and further. Yeah, it looks good too, from a drawing standpoint. Not the easiest thing to draw. Yeah, it looks good. And now uh, we're getting into uh, the, the the Marvel era. Exactly. And you gotta love this stuff. He's talking about putting the world's greatest comic magazine above Fantastic Four. And I can remember reading that when I start reading comics. You know, it's still there. Yeah. And, and just like trying to figure out what does this mean? Is this like, yeah, like who what, decides this? Like, like what award did they get? <laughs> yeah, right. Now this this is the um, uh, just amazing storytelling. And we talked about it when we looked at the... At the uh, free comic book day comic but like now we're getting into hulk thor all, all, all of that stuff notice there are no tails going to anybody's face man but you see stan Brilliant. and jack so that is a hedge you know to not put those words into any of those guys mouths but clearly illustrating that these characters were created with with two people it wasn't one guy uh coming up with the idea you know the whole stanley argument Kirby is there. He does a good job because the story with the Hulk, why he's not gray, is because the gray would print really inconsistently. And I feel like Tom's capturing that in the art. Right. Although it looks really good there. Almost like a wash. Yeah, well, the thing is, like, this is from the cover. And, like, the covers look good because you just had better paper and, and you could do that wash. Boy, that, that Ant-Man page looks cool. That Iron Man looks great. Yeah, totally. And, like, once again, that's a thing that, like, with the benefits of Procreate and digital access, you could fucking skew that and draw those lines as needed. And repeating that Hulk formula of like, let's just throw ideas back and forth and- With no tales. Hard to tell who said what. Yeah, it's great. Tom's a scholar. Tom Tom is a deep deep diver, man. So like, that is, you can look it up. The, there is a Steve Ditko unpublished cover for Amazing Fantasy 15. Uh, it's the same scenario at a different angle. Mm -hmm. Uh, the way that he chose to perspective, it looks it looks very front on the way that the Spider-Man is drawn. It's almost like he's running at you, but the perspective shows that he's in the sky. But Kirby took that exact image and just shot it, for lack of a better term, from like a worm's eye point of view. And and to see the difference, it's 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 really it's really fun. It's really astounding stuff. And then one one more of those. Yeah, and you know what the the one thing that I'll correct on the Spider-Man mythos. Um, Stanley tells this story, and, and we should have mentioned this when we watched the documentary, uh -huh. the idea of like, once Amazing Fantasy 15 went out and did gangbusters, then they get Spider-Man. The cover dates are one month apart. It's August and then September. Therefore, it was about four months to get the data from what sold on newsstands yeah. and apply it to the next book. There's just no way the math adds up. It's total bullshit. And we looked at a facsimile copy of Amazing Fantasy 15, and there's an ad in that exact book that says that there will be a forthcoming Spider-Man book. So, uh, the, the costume fucking rules. I think you feel like if you design that costume, you just know that like you're going to have something good. It's great. But, but they roll the dice for sure uh, without, without empirical evidence. Yeah, there's no, there, the, the time just doesn't line up. Like whatever was going on, maybe Martin Goodman was convinced by Amazing Fantasy 15, but it would have been in the office before yeah, it was exactly. published. There, it wasn't uh, after they got the returns from the newsstand sales. There is 100% an ad promoting a future Spider-Man comic in the pages of Amazing Fantasy 15. This is a piece I never knew, that, that Ditko created the corner box. So interesting. Love that. And this comes down to, you know, comics were really sold a lot on, on racks that only showed the top third of the book. So having your character visible up there, brilliant. Genius. There's so much that Stan does well. And the promo stuff and the sales stuff to me is the number one thing, his contribution to like Marvel Universe, Superhero, Silver Age, all that stuff. I feel like it's his salesmanship is the number one thing that he brought in. Right. That's not to discount his dialogue, but I'm just saying like he sold books. He sold books when nobody else was selling books. Totally. Uh, the famous... Uh... The famous story about having that one uh, magazine with the with the funny captions and stuff having a, having a yeah. uh, JFK piece and then finding out that well I mean JFK getting assassinated and trying to pull pull the books off the newsstands I think a couple trickled out I think they're super super valuable 
Enter Roy Thomas. Is that where we're at? You know what? Go back one. Is this, I think this is Stan in a DC. I don't know who that is, but they're, are they talking about wages? Uh, we're not there yet. Okay. Yeah, that's with Carm that'll be with Carmine Infantino a little later. We're still creating new characters, man. This is some good stuff. This kind of gets um This is one of those if you're a casual reader, like or or you know, a fan of the MCU, like the cinematic universe or whatever, and you pick this up because you've heard of Stan Lee, I feel like some of this stuff with Wally Wood and Daredevil, pretty uh inside. Right. You know, I don't know if you if Wally Wood means to an average person what it means to us when we read this. Totally. Uh, there's there is a lot of good material out there that we can watch, listen to, and hear. Uh, Tom incorporates that into the mixture. So you have the voices of Marvel. I never knew that existed until that Sean Howe book came out. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as I read that part in the book, and Sean Howe specifically talks about there's there's a representation of every borough of New York dialect from <laughs> Slo from Flo Steinberg to Hollywood. Uh, let me hear it. And uh, you know, immediately queue up stuff on uh, on YouTube. I'll be very curious to see Sean Howe's reaction to this book. And if this were serialized, like as a weekly strip or a daily strip or something, imagine him just going through, you know, regularly making notes on on this stuff. Yeah, it would have been it would have been a great online strip. Yeah, and and I mean, it's, it sets a template. And and what I meant earlier about like it builds off of uh, Wilson is that. Wilson is a series of single page mm -hmm. units and that's what this is and it's a very when you break it down to like what it is in its barest parts then you realize that it's one you just do a one page thing after another after another after another then then you have have a book you know like with with the hip-hop stuff it was two it was two pages two to three uh, but you just you just keep accumulating. You build on top of them. Build on top of them. It's uh, it's world building on rails is is what I describe it as because we have the history, so you know what it is. Do your little bullet point for all the stuff that you want to get in there. Fill in the gaps. Read the right stuff so that you're bulletproof when Joe Schmo on the internet wants to talk shit and you then proffer a couple of articles uh, in true journalistic fashion. I love both of these pages. So here's, here's the Wally Wood, yeah. and Wally Wood looks good there. It's uh, it's a really nice moment for him. But then we have John Romita taking over Daredevil. This dude's coming out of romance comics and advertising. Needs to be a little more dynamic. Good news, Jack Kirby's coming in. He'll give you some tips. Yeah, dude. It's it's such a cool sequence. Yeah, and, and also another one of those very famous mm -hmm. anecdotes that you hear, man. So this is uh, Stanley now fully bald, by the way. He's got the wraparound sideburns, uh, doing way less time in the bullpen, like in the in the office. So he is not going in, not writing. Like uh, he's spending more time with Joni at the house and stuff. So now the plots are getting even thinner. Tom is illustrating how little Stanley is doing at a certain stage, and basic. Hey Jack won't be in the office so we won't be able to do our plotting sessions uh, as often uh you know these characters better than i do go ahead and draw whatever and i'll figure it out with a dialogue uh he admits that that's the shit that blows my mind where people still call him the creator and on that stanley documentary he says like uh, i just told him have a, a tuma marry so and so or or whatever uh and they still accept that he's the creator here's here's your how gorgeous is this for a panel? Just beautiful. That that talk about signing off on a page, right? Now John Buscema's back in the mix, right? Yeah, Buscema showing up. Uh, is he getting promos cut on him? Nah. This is another famous one where uh, you you have you have the the, the fracture of the Stan and, and Jack kind of relationship that, that happened with the, with the articles. And you see, Stan Lee's the bombastic, he's a salesman. And Kirby is more introverted, quiet, studious, uh, slightly rambly, perhaps. Uh, that's hard to translate and transcribe into an interview. So of course, Stan's gonna get the m more shine. He's got more media training under his belt with the interviews and stuff that he was doing. And then Kirby feels foolish. And and he even does it by like cutting them in half with dialogue bubbles to 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 suggest that kind of thing. 
so there was a fraction of of standard jack here's a fraction between fracture between uh ditko and uh and stan to the point where busama becomes ramita ramita becomes the spider-man guy again it's one of the deft things tom does is weaving these various characters in and out and showing kind of how they have reservations about like i'm gonna replace ditko like that can't it can't do that right <laughs> and uh and we'll see it again like when kirby leaves and it's like i guess you got to cancel the fantastic four and it's like of course that's not what's going to happen we know that's not what happened but it's really cool to see these guys and consider like when i would see that stuff i gave no consideration of what's the real human beings behind this yeah feeling like and it's cool to see that part in here it really is uh we sat with you know it was just in casual conversation with uh with Jim Steranko, man, in Kansas City or someplace. And he was talking to us about uh he was approached by by Stan to take over Fantastic Four and he's like, and I didn't do it. And and uh, he's like, you know why? And then he like looked up and pointed at us and was like, it would have been suicide. <laughs> <laughs> I might need Tom to do a Steranko bio. <laughs> <laughs> this is the this is that heartbreaking shit where like Siegel and Schuster mm-hmm. establishing the superhero genre and, and maybe saving comic books or making comic books a sustainable business opportunity for decades and decades. They never like they set up this template but and their skills stayed where they were as things evolved, and there literally was no place for them as comics evolved they couldn't they couldn't adapt with the times so this is a stanley hiring the writer of superman the creator of the superhero genre as a proofreader it's a again to the literary part like you could not make this up and have it work this well to have the superman guy fired from dc a mirror of these marvel guys leaving and then showing up there and it's like there's no place for him yeah it's incredible Here's here's the uh, John Buscema versus uh, Stan Lee conversation where he's just he's just tearing Buscema to to shreds, which we saw him do to Wally Wood earlier. Right. Yeah, it's not all uh, not all rosy. Uh, F- Fellini showing up to the offices. That's a, it's a it's a famous story. Yeah, it's another great one. Kirby is off of uh, the the Fantastic Four. In comes John Romita. Here's his little symposium. Look at the bloviation too. Like he has that. Uh, they show some clips of this, I think, on that documentary where he's talking about he's a friend of uh, of the baby boomer. Let's explore their personalities a bit. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. Like I, I've never seen any of that. You stuff. can watch the whole episode of of these like pilots. Pretty lo-fi, doing the uh, Stan uh, the uh, Spider-Man drug issues early dabbling in Hollywood <laughs> it's funny because I know this exact outfit uh it's I know the photo and stuff like it's a uh, Stan Lee with no shirt on I think he's got the bucket hat and he's at a standing desk outside on like the back stoop and it looks so comfortable <laughs> <laughs> and you know who those guys are supposed to be I didn't look in the notes but yeah. I was wondering if those are freelancers that they're out yeah that's a good question that's Feels like there's somebody, like right. Alan Wise or somebody. Yeah. Starlin, I don't know. I was thinking that's Gil Kane. Looks like it. Don't know if that's supposed to be, but looks like it. Yeah. And that's Martin Goodman selling Marvel Comics. Right. And you can see how well he's uh, done for himself. So, Stan... He's expecting that like Chip Goodman's going to be the guy, so he goes over to DC and uh, suggests that maybe he there's some work for him over there. They gave him an open door policy, but then Chip Goodman is out, and uh, Stan, you know, takes the reins. Now, if there's any footage of something like this, because like, I think tom is building this from things that he's he's read yeah there's there's a lot of written accounts of this it's amazing the production that's going on here but it also makes total sense because like what are you going to do in carnegie hall right very cool very cool sequence 
And it's fun that they incorporate both characters as well as talent, like Herb Trimpey doing a Hulk drawing. And... Remember some years back, they were trying to do like a Spider-Man on Broadway and somebody's wrist got broken or something? Yeah, I think that show was a disaster. I think it's like <laughs> infamously a disaster, one of the giant disasters in Broadway history. Funky Flashman. And the way that that uh, the spread works is and there's an insecurity in a way like uh, Stan, Stan is taken off the beard post Funky Flashman. I liked how Tom drew that beard too. It was just like these straight kind of scratch lines. Yeah, it's pretty pretty good. It fits with that whole cartoon style that is in this book. The one splash page. Great page. If you want to make it in comics, the best thing you could do is first establish yourself in a different field. It's like he's talking to the enterprising creators who are reading this book. This is what you got to do. See, this is like Tom's stuff. He likes that kind of music. So, of course, you got to put put that in there. Oh, man, is this... Uh, this is the Neil Adams talking about having a, a union. Yes. And Stanley's like, sounds like sounds great. Uh, that's fantastic. Let's do it just like the the Motion Picture Academy. And then Neil Adams is like, well, you know that that was instituted to prevent any kind of real unionization or anything like that. And then sounds like, well, if you don't do it this way, like, uh, best of luck. Uh, I'm I'm out of here. So what's interesting about this is you have an unstoppable force and an immovable object trying to like make some stuff happen. Two good salesmen and. You know, the tricks that Stan Lee uses on everybody to kind of, like, uh, enter his reality distortion field, it doesn't work on uh, Neil right. Adams. Yeah, it's a nice page. Facing each other and then facing away. So here's the collusion between the publisher of DC Comics, who at the time would have been Carmine Infantino, and the publisher of Marvel Comics, uh, who at the time would be Stan Lee, talking about the freelancers who are playing them both against the middle, trying to create bidding wars, trying to get better page rates from both companies, and them colluding in keeping each other appraised on that. And uh, young Houseroy uh, recognize that, recognizes that as a, as, a, as a bad thing. Said may, maybe even illegal, and, and I do wonder, like, like, is that kind of collusion... It feels very wrong morally. Yeah, and there's crossover and precedent in wrestling. You know, like this idea of like antitrust kind of stuff, uh, monopolistic practices, things of that nature. Just that whole work for hire freelancer, like what those, you know, what kind of rights you have as that freelancer and a little bit murky at times, but yeah, definitely questionable. And it's really interesting these last couple pages and into this one, because now Martin Goodman, he's gonna make another comics publishing venture yeah direct competition hiring even stan lee's brother away to write some of the books and you kind of see like this whole couple of pages going through the business side of how you know it's just ugly right. it's just ugly it's crass and you know you see it with the talent but now you're really seeing it as this is just a business this is interesting this is kiss and i say it's interesting because this, uh, when we're doing our comics yeah. journal coverage, has come up several times that the way the Kiss book was colored, the production values, and the cost all became like, let's do more of those. Almost like Dark Knight. Like, yeah. once Dark Knight comes out in 86 successfully, now there's a bunch of square-bound books that cost five times the cost of a regular comic book yeah. being published. The Kiss comic did that to some extent. Right. Totally. And infamously mm -hmm. inserted their blood into the ink. Uh, we have Stan Lee cutting promos on the... American Spider-Man television show, but giving mad props to the Japanese version, which freaking does rule. And, and I love it because like everybody else is like, what is this? It's embarrassing. And Stan just loves it. Yeah. Yeah. And all you got to do is watch it to love it, man. And and that is like the first line, like I am an emissary from hell. <laughs> so it's such a cool treatment of Spider-Man. Yeah, it rules. I only have a couple episodes. I got them bootleg at Pittsburgh Comic-Con and they're, uh, the end sequence is like where it shows the credits. It's, it's the words over top of a montage of like other episodes. And there's one with a shark monster that like I've been wanting to see for 25 <laughs> years, man. I can't believe that's, that's not something online. Yeah, I'm sure it is. 
I'm sure Gotta it track is. it down. Yeah. Cool sequence though, and it's neat to see the characters. And again, how heady would it be if you're really Stan Lee? And this is the kind of stuff like you're on the brink of your your of comics being canceled. You're creating all these characters. Now you're seeing a Japanese version on live action. Going international, baby. Man, when when he starts dealing with this stuff with his daughter, it's a. Uh, I ain't even saying nothing, man. Yeah, that it's, feels it's some of that stuff from the beginning of like you know you, you you don't wish this on anyone yeah you know having that kind of family strife is just it'd be a nightmare yeah go out to hollywood one of the other things that we didn't mention when we were doing our uh, stanley documentary review is that even though he was out there trying to you know find deals and license the the marvel stuff he actually fucked things up a lot for for Marvel and by making very shitty deals. Yeah. Uh, Jim Shooter's on the record for saying like certain deals were made <clears throat> for like fifty bucks and that that had language in them that 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 you know kept Marvel from getting those rights back for thirty years. So yeah, he was out there doing the Hollywood spiel, but he kind of sucked at it. Yeah, very unprecedented, and that's you're swimming with sharks. You know what I mean? Like coming from from Stan's background, like anybody would have been eaten alive out there. Love Tom's treatment for this this whole Hollywood panel. I love, but no outline around the sun. Yeah, that totally. just speaks to me. And uh, there was a time when you would get up early in the morning to watch the Dungeons and Dragons uh, cartoon or any number of gummy bears. Maybe would would nah, I guess that was Disney. But the only Spider Man you would get would be at the end credits, and it would be this one right there, man. You would get this one, and you would get the Macy's Day Spider-Man, uh, Doctor Doom guys, if you were lucky. Here's, so, what is it, 50 pages later? And I love uh, John Buscema's outfit, by the way, because it really looks like a, it looks like a inmate. It looks like a convict. <laughs> you know, it's like Dickie's work outfit. But it doesn't hurt that the fence is behind there. Yeah, totally. Like, it really does but, look like that when yeah, you say it. Like, they're, they're, they're on the yard, and uh, it's Stan Lee talking about how much he loved that very specific issue of Silver Surfer that the earlier Stanley was talking shit on, maybe. See, we've, we've, we're, there's a point where we're going to jump forward in time a lot. Uh, there isn't a piece on how to draw comics the Marvel way in here, which I think would have been a good addition. Uh, but this is pretty much our last Buscema section. Uh, this section you can find out about if you watch the Power Rangers episode of The Toys That Made Us. And there's this girl, Margaret Lesh, who worked at Marvel, hooked up with Stanley. Like, Stanley brought the tape back with uh, the Super Sentai stuff that would be Power Rangers. And was like, we got to do this. Pretty much proposed doing the exact thing that Haim Saban did with the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And she liked it also, but they couldn't pass the muster. She goes on to work at Fox, and Saban gets the rights, comes to them, and she was already primed by way of Stan Lee, and of course it turned out to be a gigantic, you know, billion-dollar business for uh, for Fox Kids, and also when she's at Fox Kids, like that's that's X Men, so which was a giant hit, and uh, I think uh, Bat Batman. The animated series. Uh, she she made a lot of big moves, but she started at Marvel. <laughs> you got to get that in there, man. Hilarious. Now here's where the kayfabe like starts to fall apart when you have more criti critical uh, journalists, right? Who have done the research, and you see Stan like sitting up straight, good posture, all poised, going through his sound bites, and you have the guy questioning it and Stanley not even hearing it when he gives his final answer it's it's a really great it's a really great section yeah it makes me wonder there's got to be a Groth Stanley comics journal interview right I, I I I'm not sure like the comics journal stuff that we are covering Stanley they're in co communication with Stan like there will be quotes from Stan but uh at a certain point it was it was uh a hard no like there's no way that uh there would be so i don't th there isn't mm. there isn't and at a certain point stanley will no longer probably around the time of jack kirby give him back his art stanley is going to have none of the uh, comics journal but it, it, it crossed my mind like is that groth 
Yeah, and this is recounting some of the famous his famous stories. I didn't know that his wife wrote a book. Right. That that was news to me. Yeah, who knows if that's just some vanity press bullshit though. Yeah, I didn't look it up. Uh, the the famous uh, Kirby radio interview where Stanley calls in and you and you hear the exact words. Well, I'll say I I wrote every word of dialogue. You know, it's all mine. And then you have you have the back and forth. Uh, so at this point in the book, around 150 pages in, we got 40 pages to go. We are mad dashing uh, the rest of the career, man. And uh, let's be frank, you know, like he he doesn't do much more uh, at, after a certain point. Well, he doesn't have success. Like he continues to do stuff, but yeah. none of it really succeeds. If anything, it's kind of infamous. Sure. For things that go wrong. Like this, this spread. So, so we've we've jumped from like the seventies, eighties. Like I think this was around eighty six. Now we're in the nineties with those VHS tapes that uh, that you can find on YouTube with with Todd and Rob, and there's like the Bob Kane one. It's incredible too. Like I bet you Tom was watching those videos and just like I have to have all this in there. It's unbelievable the dialogue from those videos. Totally. Yeah, yeah, because because it's like uh, it's it's that unstoppable force of movable object again. Where where Stanley is talking like uh, just just remember I created this character. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're ready to lawyer up by the end of that episode. <laughs> and uh, dude. Uh, how 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 things could go south so fast, man! You you got you got a one-page little episode of the reunification of Steve Ditko and the bifurcation, like all at once. Like Ditko's like, ah, okay, well, I'm not gonna do that. Boy, it's a great, almost animated stand with his arms open into the hug panel. Yeah. Such yeah. great drawing. All these guys from the bullpen, like, hey, who is that fella? And then by the end. Uh, Stanley turns them fully off, and you know what? Hollywood is good for that, by the way. Like Hollywood guys are good for that. There was there was this movie being shot at at, at Copacetic Comics, and I showed up because I wanted to show Bill the the slipcase of the first one. <clears throat> I'm very excited about it. And Bill was out on the terrace, you know, like they have that little courtyard at the coffee shop. And they had fucking uh, two school buses with cables this thick running up those stairs into Bill's store and stuff and it was supposed to be like a one-day thing whatever and then this like assistant director comes down as we're having some coffees and talking comics and stuff and the guy's like got some bad news we didn't get all the coverage that we needed today we're gonna have to shoot again if that's okay with you but don't worry your your store's gonna be in a movie and i'm like it took i looked at this dude i'm like man it took two sentences out of your mouth man to make me feel like i gotta take a shower <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's true. Because those Hollywood cats, they, they think everybody <laughs> aspires to be in movies and shit. And it's like, well, motherfucker, you guys are like knocking holes in the wall by accident. A little Silent Bob appearance. This is a really sad sequence to me is the Jack Kirby funeral. And uh, Stan coming and then leaving, feeling unwelcome. And it, it, it feels like that's a really nuanced moment of... That, that's not exactly... That's not how people were perceiving it, but it's almost like Stan Lee being uncomfortable. Right. You know, and you, you wish everybody could have gotten some, something, po some, you know, positive closure, something there. Because that's the thing, like for all the arguments about Stan versus Jack, it really is the magic of what they did together. Yeah. And it's a shame they didn't get to kind of enjoy that. Yeah. Hard to do when you're, when you're, when the thumb's on you, man. Yeah. Like, uh, fuck. The, Kirby would have to be uh, Buddha in order to uh it's true and and you know that's the thing like this may have been a place for stan to really uh communicate that to his family you know <laughs> right but but doesn't get the chance it's a good i mean this book is loaded with these these yeah. pages that are really they this one is kind of heartfelt but you know like just these great moments and and really well tooled this this kevin smith piece like should be in here for sure it's re i guess it's really like one of the first stanley cameos uh, to, to to be in a movie but Kevin Smith was so vocal at the end when all the turmoil was happening, when like cops were being called and mm -hmm. Stan Lee's like, like one day Stan Lee is saying that he's being abused. The next day he's saying everything's all good. And it looks like a fucking ISIS hostage video or something. And Kevin Smith was so vocal. Like I live with me, like literally it was like putting it out there. I don't know who to talk to. I don't know who to reach out to Stan Lee. You could live with me. Like, we will take care of you you know he was very very open and very vocal about that 
was just heartbroken at that stuff that was going back and forth. And that's what the final part is. We'll just like, let, well, let's let this lie, man. Uh, grab, grab the book, check it out. Because at the beginning I said it was a horror comic and, uh, and we ain't there yet. We ain't there yet. Lots of good back matter. Let's, yeah. Let's jump to some of this. So like you see Tom kind of giving you his notes about where he acquired like lots of this Intel further reading bibliography that uh, you can check, check more stuff out. And then uh, speaking of copacetic comics, I think we got a backdrop right there. At, <laughs> I do believe at, at our fair shop, man. Yeah. It's really awesome. Got the index so that you could refer to people, but uh, this is a masterpiece comic. It is. And you know, worth noting the main subject is, is an older person. There's not a lot of work out there that covers that. And as I get older, I'm more and more interested in that. And the part that you refer to as horror, I mean, that's that's the ultimate. Like, I have, you know, five aging parent-like figures in my life. And it's not just horror. It's also that it resonates. Yeah. You know, as, as, as your loved ones get to this point, and as we end up getting to this point, you know, hopefully not for a couple of decades. <laughs> but it's amazing to read this stuff because it's not something I read in a lot of comics. No, it's true. And and uh, and frankly, the Stan Lee story, man, it, there there are lessons in in that story. And uh, the lessons are you can't believe your own bullshit. You can't surround yourself with yes men. Yes, he had his romantic partner, but he outlived her. And then he started to get brittle and fall apart. And he didn't have a support system. You know? Like, he did not have a support system. And the vultures came out. I've seen that stuff personally with, with like... With other creative people I worked with who got very, very old. And I'm not saying that like their romantic, you know, their intimate partners were, were, were great, but I saw the snakes come out and entice them. Uh, it's, it's, it's dangerous out there, man. And, and like, that's the cautionary tale that I pull from him. I see it. I see it playing out right now with, I, I feel like a uh, Frank Miller, you know, in, in a certain way, you know, I don't know what what that guy has going on. I don't know who who's got around him or, or anything. Like, I'm not saying anything negative, but like, I I I feel for him. I'm worried about that dude. Yeah, and the difference with someone like a Stan Lee compared to say my father-in-law is you have documentation of it, right? All these videos, all these articles, all this information. But man, it happens to a lot of people. Yeah. Not just not just the celebrity. Oh yeah, no, totally. Totally. Uh, but great book, Tom. I, I don't know what to say. Like the first time I read a snippet of it, I was excited. The first time I read it, I was excited. Uh, rereading it this week for this episode, as you say, masterpiece comics. Like this is as good of a comic as I've read this year. Tom's work is uh, absolutely leveled up super far. Uh, the Kirby book rocked, man. And this is the next published book. But you know and I know that Tom did about 200 pages, maybe 300 pages of comics in between that, that nobody right. has seen. And that is your, is it the Cro-Magnum stage before Neanderthal and, 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 and sentient human being? Like, there's a stage of comics that nobody got to see from Tom. Like, unless you're on his Patreon, maybe some of that stuff is out there. Join his Patreon. But we have the published work that most people will get to absorb by and large. And there's a Kirby book and then there's this one. And the level up of the craft is exponential, which speaks to a cartoonist who is um, properly hard on themselves, you know, not in the self-flagellating, you know, 1990s alt comics kind of way, but hard on himself enough to know like, okay, man, what, what should I address for the next one? making those tough calls man and and really reshaping reshaping the uh the craft very yeah, inspiring it is we did a video on composition from the famous artist course and talked about alex toth 10 years in changing his his approach and yeah. how difficult that is there's ego involved all kinds of stuff in some ways i feel like that's what you're seeing here with tom like he's made some choices here that are very very different stylistically than what he had been doing totally and um Man, I applaud that for every creative person out there. You know, look at look at everything you do and don't get stuck in a rut. You, you'll see people talk about it. It's another thing that wrestlers talk about. And uh, I think this is a great example of, of an artist really stretching and trying some new stuff, taking chances. And he did put in the work. 
but it's still man it's it takes something to really change we have daily videos here at cartoonist kayfabe and there's more than a thousand of them so make sure you hit that little search box and uh dig around and see if we talked about some of your favorite comics like follow subscribe to the youtube channel hit the bell so that we can notify you when new videos are available and if you dig the channel support the patreon the king kayfabers on our patreon get access to all the videos uh that we uh create before anybody else that helps them make smart economic buying decisions before uh these videos hit gen pop and they might get the cheapest copies of the comics that we talk about on the aftermarket uh we're going to the baltimore comic-con uh the midweek of uh, september 8th 9th 10th something like that yes and uh that is going to be the last time you're going to be able to see me and jimmy in person in uh 2023 but the videos are ultimately brought to you by the books that we make so jimmy tell the people what we got True Crime Funnies. This is my latest self-published comic. There are three non-fiction stories in here. You can get it at jimrug.com. You can also read it on patreon.com slash jimrug where I post my latest, greatest work along with out-of-print uh, zines and mini-comics. Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive is available from Image Comics. There are eight complete stories of the homeless ninja on a skateboard. This is me doing superhero comics. Right. Uh, perfect for anybody that's a fan of action comics and, uh, and comedy. I also am doing a new volume of Street Angel, Princess of Poverty. This will be out later this year in November, also from Image Comics. And together with Deadliest Girl Alive, collects all of the Street Angel comics that have been done so far. Hulk Grand Design. I just heard this week, I think we are out of these at the distributor level, which means your store may still have a copy. If you don't have a copy, pick it up. Yes. Because once this is out of print, and I think it might be, no guarantee it even comes back in print, let alone when it might be available again. So if you've been on the fence, if you've been waiting or for whatever reason, you want to pull the trigger now because these are going to start to get very hard to get. And if you don't find them in the store, you got to go with the devil you know and go to Amazon. They still have some stock. So yeah, pick it up while you still can. Plain Jane's one of the first young adult graphic novels. Uh, perfect for that young reader in your life. The Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus is coming to you this October. <laughs> Thank you, Jimmy. Uh, this October, in time for the holidays, man, you're going to be able to get this uh, as a gift for the hip-hop fan in, in, in your life. Uh, it collects all Hip-Hop Family Tree volumes worth of comics, 150 pages of extra material, man, a 500-plus page hardcover book covering it all. Uh, the comic I'm working on right now is Red Room Crypto Killers. There are two trade paperbacks of Red Room out there right now, the Antisocial Network and Trigger Warnings. This issue three of Red Room Crypto Killers has uh, the proto version of my daily strip. My strip is called Switchblade Shorties and I'm serializing it right now on my Patreon, but it's gonna be a daily strip on all my social media uh, when the time comes. And this is your first kind of glimpse at that comic. So this is a hot key as far as Eddie P comics are concerned. The other holiday book that is coming out is X-Men Grand Design Trilogy, which is a trade paperback collecting all of my X-Men Grand Design works. There are out-of-print volumes of this uh, Treasury Edition stuff that, that are not uh, able to be bought by your store. So the trade paperback is the easy way to get your hands on all of the X-Men Grand Design materials. Name a couple other ways, Jimmy, that the people can support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, merchandise, mugs, hats, fanny packs, stickers, and more at our spread shop. That link is also under this video. All great ways to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Jimmy, give them those marching orders and we'll be on our way. Read more comics. Excelsior!